Luke chapter 15. Luke 15. We're going to be doing a series uh, here in Luke chapter 15. It's just a two-part series, so next week I'll finish it. And um, just going over the parables here in Luke chapter 15. We'll look at the first two today, and then we'll look at the last one next week. Um, But if you look at Luke chapter 15 and look at verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, If she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently under until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I have lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time that you have given us to open up your word. And I pray that you would help us, Lord, to see a glimpse of you, of your glory, to see um, what brings joy and celebration to your heart. And Lord, I pray that you would be the same for us as well as we look at this together and as we go out our separate ways. In Christ's name we pray. Have you ever lost anything? I mean, lost anything of value. I don't want to bring up any bad memories. I don't want to bring up something you still are looking for. But something that is of value, maybe it's your uh, wallet or some important document or or, or some some gift that someone has given you that you've cherished. Maybe it's the infamous keys. I've lost my keys. I can't find them. Uh, Maybe it's your kid. I'm not judging. I know that happens, so I'm not going to judge. So, so you go out, it's something that is of value of you. You can't find it. It's gone. Each moment that passes by, there's a little bit of panic that starts to set in. It grows, and it grows, and you are worried. You begin to worry. You begin to panic. I, I want to find it. Where is it at? Uh, there's unrestlessness. It's there, and, 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 you, and you're, you're hoping that you can find it. Now, now say you do find it, whether it be your wallet, your keys, or your kid. Uh, what, what joy comes to your heart immediately? There's, oh, there's a relief. There's joy in knowing that you have found this thing that's very valuable, and it's come back. You've, you've, you're able to recover it. 
Now, that's just a, a small, simple, silly illustration, but something that we all go through and that we all face. But experiencing that joy of finding something that valuable doesn't even come close. I'm not, not minimizing that. But it doesn't even come close to the joy of heaven, the joy in God's heart when he sees a lost sinner come back. He sees a lost sinner come to him for salvation, and, and, and comes to him. And, and we're going to see a glimpse of that here this morning. Um, look at, when we look at verse, uh, verse 1 of chapter 15, but before we do, look at the very end of chapter 14. At the very end of chapter 14, the, the last verse there, at the end of that verse, it says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And it's almost an invitation, if you will, that Jesus is giving. You that have ears, anyone who has ears, let him hear. Come, let him hear what I have to say. An invitation comes. And in in chapter 15 and verse 1, we see who shows up. And it may surprise you. Look what it says. Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled and saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Uh, the, the phrase there, drawing near to him, or coming near to him, is an imperfect tense verb, which means a continual action. It's something that would happen, it was a common occurrence. Coming near, drawing near to Jesus. And who was it that was coming near? Well, it was tax collectors. It was those of the outcasts of society. We'll get to them in a moment. It was sinners. It it was maybe there were some uh, thieves, robbers. Maybe there was adulterers, harlots, prostitutes. Why are they coming to hear Jesus? Why are they all gathered together to, to, to hear him? I believe that one obviously factor to that is he, he brought no condemnation. Because the Bible tells us he came not to condemn, but he came to seek and to save that which was lost. He, he didn't judge them for, for who they were and what they were doing. Now, he didn't condone their sin, but he did not condemn them as a person. He had compassion, he had love, he had patience for them. He spoke words that they understood. He spoke words that was truth. It was different than the Pharisees and the, Sad- and the, and the Sadducees. It was different than the Pharisees and the scribes. Uh, yeah, they were smart. They were intellect. But Jesus was no phony. He was no fake. What he said, he lived. And they were drawn to that. There's something about this man. He speaks great wisdom. He, he tells me, yes, of my sin, but he doesn't throw rocks at me. He doesn't mock me. He doesn't cast me out. He loves me. He shows compassion. And then we see that he's there with the tax collectors. The tax collectors during this time were, oh man, they were hated by the Jews. The Jews couldn't stand them. Uh, During this time, obviously, you know, the Roman had, the Roman government obviously had a lot of authority and dominated the the world here during this time with the Jews. And they would go out and um, basically hire Jewish uh, uh, people to to do a, um, come up with a tax, a um, tax franchise. Uh, 
So they, they would bring them in, and in essence, they were working for the Roman government. And so they would go out and collect taxes from their own people. So first of all, tax collectors, without being said, not even the Jewish, but just Roman tax collectors were hated by the Jewish people. But if you were a Jew and you worked for the Roman government as a tax collector, you were hated even more. You were considered a traitor. And they had no mercy on taxes. If you think we get taxed a lot here, they were taxed very heavenly during this time. On everything imaginable, everything that you brought in, you were taxed on your cart. You were taxed on the animal pulling your cart. You were taxed on the wheels on your cart. Everything was taxed. So obviously they, they did not like the, the tax collectors during this time. And to be associated with those type of people, the, the tax collectors and the sinners, was unthinkable. And to eat a meal with them was, was unheard of. You don't do that. Because in the Middle East, to invite somebody in for a meal, whether it be for lunch or for dinner, uh, was offering a, a, a kind gesture. It was a, a, as, as you were welcoming them in as an honored guest or an honored friend. And so we see here Jesus not only speaking to them, but having a meal with them at times. And, and this, was, this was not looked at as well. J.C. Ryle said this about this passage. Do we have a sense of our own sin? Do we feel bad and wicked and guilty and deserving of God's anger? Is the remembrance of our past lives of, bitter, of sin bitter to us? Does the recollection of our past conduct make us ashamed? Then we are the very people who ought to apply to Christ just as we are, pleading nothing of our own, making no useless delay. Christ will receive us graciously and pardon us freely and give us eternal life because he is one that receives sinners. When we look at this, um, these two parables this morning, we're going to look at two aspects of this, of this parable, two sides of the, of the same coin. We're going to be looking at, on one side, the sinful nature of man. And then on the other, we're going to see the saving nature of God. So first, the sinful nature of man. Look at verse 3. It says, so he told them this parable, what... What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he had lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? Oftentimes in Scripture, um, we are considered, man is considered uh, as sheep. Jesus uses that illustration oftentimes that we're compared to as sheep. And by the way, it's, it's not a compliment. If you know anything about sheep, uh, you know they're not the brightest animals um, on the planet, um, they are often, uh, um, you can't train sheep most of the time. You don't see, you, know, you can see a, a, a train a horse, you can train a, you can train a flea even, you can train a mouse, but you can't train a sheep. And um, they're very, uh, they, they just go with the flow. There, there's no uh, defense mechanism in a sheep. Uh, there's nothing they can do to defend themselves. Um, they're quite oftentimes just followers. As a matter of fact, I came across this article 
and uh, if, if there's any sheep lovers in here, and uh, you may want to plug your ears. Um, but I come across this article, and it was quite fascinating of just how um, not smart sheep are. Use more dumb, but yeah, they're, they're very not bright creatures. And so, look what it, this is what the article said. It says, hundreds of sheep followed their leader off a cliff in eastern Turkey, plunging to their deaths this week, while shepherds looked on in dismay. 400 sheep fell 15 meters to their death in a ravine in Van Providence near Iran, but broke their fall after another 1,100 animals who survived. Shepherds from a nearby village neglected the flock while eating breakfast, leaving the sheep to roam free. And the loss of the local farmers is estimated at $74,000. So one sheep wandered off a cliff and 1,499 followed. That, I, I don't know what to say about that. That's, it's, um, but yeah, that, I think that speaks for itself. Um, it's not a compliment to be called a sheep. Um, also, when we think of sheep, we think of needing direction, needing guidance. Um, a sheep that wanders off from the pack like this and goes, and goes from the fold and goes off into the Judean wilderness um, would not have a chance. There are animals, wild animals, that are seeking and, and, and lurking um, to, to find one by itself like that. It has no chance of defending itself. It needs, it needs guidance. It needs direction. They're oblivious to what they are getting themselves into. They're blind to, to what they're about to do. The Bible tells us there's a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof is the way of death. And, and we, too, often, we can look at this and say, well, they're just dumb sheep. But sometimes... I'm afraid in somewhat of our own lives. We all sometimes have blind spots in our life. There's sin. And what makes that even worse is pride. It's pride that we all battle with. And we all need direction. And obviously, for the lost, uh, they don't know. They're depraved, totally depraved, and they're dead in sin and trespass. They're totally oblivious to what's around and what's going to happen. But as Christians, sometimes we can be pretty oblivious as well. Pretty oblivious to the, to the sin that so easily besets us. Our blind spots. And, and it's important that we are humble enough to hear our brothers and sisters to tell us when we're wrong and to tell us that, well, we need to fix this. So we see here the weakness of a, of a sheep. Look at verse 8. We see that of the coin. Or what a woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it. Normally, floors during this time were made of dirt, and the, and the coin could easily find its way under some surface of dirt. So to find it, you would sweep, and you would shine a light, because it would be dark, and try to find what was underneath there. In the Middle East, when a woman was married or betrothed, 
to a man, many times he would give her ten pieces of silver. And these pieces of silver would have a hole in the middle of each coin. And he would tie a ribbon through those coins and it would be actually placed on her forehead. Uh, many of you may have seen pictures of coins that are there across uh, a lady in the Middle East's forehead. It was a beautiful thing. It, it was ten of them, a sign of completeness. But if she was unfaithful to her husband, they would take a coin out. And there would be an ugly gap there to show her unfaithfulness. She is disgraced. And here is a coin lost in the dark. Lost in the dirt and lost in disgrace. No wonder she is lighting the candle. No wonder she is sweeping to get the coin back in its place. Because though she herself is not guilty, she is looked upon as disgrace. You know, you and I, before Christ, was just this coin. We were lost in the dirt. We were lost in the dark. We were lost in disgrace. And I am thankful, I am so thankful that, that God saw fit not to give up. You could say, well, it's just a coin. I mean, that's a lot of work. What's the worst? It's not that much. I'm, I'm glad Christ didn't do I'm glad he didn't do that with me. The Holy Spirit of God was shining his light on me, was searching, was seeking. I wasn't searching for him. And then he found us. So that brings us to our point here of the saving nature of God. So go back to um, here in the beginning of chapter 15. We're back to the sheep. And look at verse 4 again. Look what it says. It says, what man of you? He, he's saying here, and he is, I think, applying to uh, uh, the heart. He says, which one of you? If you were a sheep, if you had a sheep to, to leave the fold and he was out all by himself, you, you know what a good shepherd would do, right? If you were a good shepherd, which one of you would, would not go after? And that's exactly what a good shepherd would have done. He would go after that one that is lost. He loved, he cared for his sheep. He took pride in what he did, what he did his work and what he'd done. And... and and if there was a sheep that, that went astray, he went after it. He knew it by name. He cared for the sheep because he knew one thing. He, he knew, he knows that the sheep is not coming back. It doesn't have the ability to come back. And quite frankly, it doesn't care to come back. It's out on its own. It's doing its own thing. And so he knows the only way is to go after the sheep. And that's exactly what Christ did for us. It says that Jesus said, there is no one that comes to him unless the Father draws him in John 6, 44 and, 40 and 65. Paul says that the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. They may not see the light, the gospel, the glory of Christ. Unbelievers are lost and helpless or pray for the enemy unless God intervenes. I thank God that he did intervene. And Jesus shows us that here. Uh, the shepherd shows the rescue in nature of the Lord Jesus Christ here. Because in John chapter 10, verse 11, what does it tell? John chapter 10, verse 11, I am the good shepherd. Uh, the good shepherd that giveth life to the sheep. 
Jesus' nature is to seek and to save that which was lost. He came not primarily as a teacher or a healer, but as a savior. Luke chapter 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. So we see that's exactly what he does. Look at verse 5. Verse number 5. And when he has found it, he lays it upon his shoulder rejoicing. Notice what he doesn't do. He, He doesn't go up. The shepherd doesn't go up to the sheep grab it by its ear, and says, come on, oh, let's go. I can't believe you ran off again. How many times? And starts kicking it, screaming, yelling. He doesn't do that. The Bible says that he bends down. He picks up the sheep. He puts it on his shoulder. Now, now what he would do, what they would do when they were carrying sheep, back in this day, what they would do is carry it where the stomach of the sheep would be around his back shoulders and his four legs would hang right here and that way he could hang on to the legs as he walked there was safety there was security in that because the sheep obviously one doesn't want to be picked up and two is going to be flaring his legs everywhere just his legs are going to be going crazy and maybe not wanting to go back not wanting to, to, to do what's happening and here we have a, 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 just a beautiful picture of God's grace, of God's mercy. You know, a, a shepherd could just go up to that sheep and say, I'm, I'm through. How many times? This, this, is, this is old. I've had too many sheep run away. But he doesn't do that. His gracious love, he's patient, his mercy comes along, picks the sheep up, and carries it back to the fold. Chris says in verse 6, And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, I found the sheep that was lost. He doesn't come back and he puts the sheep back in the pen or puts it back in the fold. Oh, I can't believe it. This, how many times? This is getting old. He doesn't do that. He, he, he gets his friends together. They rejoice. There's celebration because the lost sheep is found. There isn't, you know, when we think of a lost sinner, someone who's a sinner who comes to Christ, it isn't God in heaven with a pad and, and something, oh, well, there's Matt. He accepted Christ. Okay, that's good. Oh, there's another one. Okay, that's good. The idea is that God is the deepest. God, God in the deepest part of his nature so longs for the soul of a lost man and a lost woman that he pursues that to the degree. That having found that person, the celebration is so great. The joyous is so great that it's, it's, it's barely even big enough, as it were, that you might can say. Look what it says in that of the coin, the saving nature of the coin. Look what it says in verse 10. And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I found the coin I have lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. We see here, much like the sheep, there is great joy ringing in heaven of one sinner who repents, who comes to glory. 
It, it, look what it says um, here in verse 10. Um, it, it says, there is joy before the angels of God. It doesn't actually say joy among the angels. And it doesn't say that there is joy of the angels. It says there is joy in the presence. There is joy before the angels of God. Who is, who, whose joy is that? Well, I, I believe it's the joy of the triune God who exists in the presence of the holy angels. Rejoicing. Joyful. That a lost sinner has come to Christ. In Isaiah chapter 62, verse 5, the Bible says, And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so your God will rejoice over you. The scripture picks up the highest human joy, that of a bridegroom and a bride. And it says, I will rejoice. Look what it says in Jeremiah. In Jeremiah 32, verse 41, it says, And I will rejoice over them to do them good, and I will faithfully plant them in the land. And I love this. With all of my heart and with all of my soul. God rejoices over us with all of his heart and with all of his soul. His joy is uncontained, if you will. There was one sheep out of a hundred. There was one coin out of ten. God has a universe to run and galaxies to uphold and atomic particles to manage and governments to rule in his providence. But there's not much in the Bible that says all heaven rejoices over the orbits of the stars or the rise of kings. It's true that, that God takes pleasure in all that he does. But Jesus is clearly referring to something special in these parables. When one sinner repents, there is special joy in heaven. God cares for individuals one at a time. He cares for you. What a tremendous thought. What a weighty thought that is. That the God of this universe who created all things, who created you, cares for you, loves you with an everlasting love, with all of his heart. On a cold night in England, Many years ago, a group of children slipped into a church to get warm. The preacher was speaking on Luke chapter 15, verse 2. And in the King James Version of the Bible, it says, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. Afterwards, one of the children, a girl eight years old, went up to the pastor and said, Pardon me, sir. I didn't know my name was in the Bible. He asked, well, what is your name? She said, Edith. No, he said, Edith is not in the Bible. Yes, it is, she replied. I I heard you say, this man uh, receiveth sinners and eateth with them. You know, we can chuckle at that and think, but, but even though this girl misunderstood the text, she applied the truth personally to her own heart. If you know that there is sin 
in your heart that needs God's merciful forgiveness, put your name there. Jesus receives sinners and eats with Matt. Eats with your name. If you will join the tax collectors and sinners and draw near to Jesus and listen to him, you too may know the joy of singing, I once was lost, but now I'm found. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for...